Lady Boothroyd, former Speaker of the House of Commons and Chancellor of the Open University, has written her life story. What motivated her to do this? Because I wanted to. I think it was as simple as that. I was the first woman speaker in the history of our country and I wanted to set that out as to how I got there and my background, my humble beginnings and also I was encouraged to do so by a lot of friends who believed that I should write it. I have to tell you at the outset, I don't think I was a very good writer. Lots of people seem to have enjoyed the book and it was hard work but it was worth doing and I was motivated because I wanted people to know how I became Speaker, and what the life of the Speakership was like. What do you mean when you say you don't think you're a very good writer? I never think I'm very good at anything, really, very much. I don't know, maybe you call it modesty, but it was daunting. It was a great challenge to me, let's put it like that. But then I've always accepted challenges. So how did you go about it? Did you sort of read a lot of autobiographies to sort of see how other people did it? No, I didn't. I did it my way, if I can put it like that. I wrote about my life. I divided it up into various compartments that I thought were interesting. And I started like that. You did all this research. Did you have any sort of filing system? What about the actual concrete process of dealing with all the bits and pieces? Well, what I had, you see, I had press-cutting books, so they were all in, in date order. So that was relatively easy. I had all my campaign literature, that was all in, in, in order. I had my diaries... When I say diaries, I don't mean... if I, They were just events, they were just occasions, they were just uh, the times. And, of course, they, they sparked me on about various things. So that was a help. But I'm a very orderly person, so when I came to look at things, they were not in bad order. I think they're in poor order now that I've been throwing them around, quite frankly. But to start with, they were in fairly good order. But I think, with me... The essence of everything, the essence of success in life is to do your homework first. And I believe in any form of writing, it is to do that homework, to do your research, to know what you want, to set out your plan, as I say, to set out your skeleton. Peter White is a broadcaster, journalist and regular presenter of Radio 4's In Touch programme. He called his autobiography, See It My Way. When it came to putting his life down on paper, did some episodes flow more easily than others? When you were writing about your colleagues or your travels, did some of that come more easily than the family stuff, or was it the other way around? No, it wasn't so much that. I mean, I, I suppose the truth of the matter is because it had been so long, long in the making, I had thought a lot about them. And although you make the point about the family, because some of it was quite personal... But in fact, one of the most personal chapters, which is about my father and his death, I wrote in an afternoon, even though it's quite a long chapter. And I think that is simply because I'd thought about it so much and talked to people about it that when I came to write it, it just kind of plopped out onto the machine. It was obviously there in my head. Things take longer when you're straining at them a bit when maybe they aren't quite as good a story as as you think they are the bits in the book because all books have their highs and their lows and uh, you know sometimes you you need to put things in because they take you from one event to another and those are the things that take longer to write because they're not instantly so moving or so funny and so you have to work harder at making them keep the strength of the book up were you conscious Peter, about how you came across to the reader, your self-image. Were you conscious of creating that as you wrote? I tried to be um, very honest. 
I do genuinely think that there is only one really valuable form of honesty, and that's honesty with yourself. I think lying to other people is perfectly okay if you can think of it, if there's a good reason for it. But I think once you start lying to yourself, you're in big trouble. Therefore, when I wrote the book, I didn't see any point in writing the book if I didn't tell the truth about things and about what I genuinely thought about things. One of the things I was keen to explain to people is the extent to which people use disabilities, use blindness. I wanted to be honest about the fact that I exploited it from time to time. And my rationale for doing that is that there are enough disadvantages and that every now and again, um, it, you know, if you if you think the greater good is in you being able to achieve something or do something by it, well, then a little bit of making use of the disability seemed to me quite legitimate. You start from earliest times. You're about three, I think, when you start the book. How did you revisit those sort of early childhood memories? They're just very vivid. I mean, in many ways, they're the ones I'm most certain about. As you get older, your motives, the views of other people all impinge far more. I think when you're younger, those memories are clear. What you remember is what impression it made on you at the time. I don't think um, early memories are deceptive. I think they're the ones that are probably the ones that are most likely to be accurate and closest to kind of what you're really like. I think the later ones are the ones that are imbued with politics and trying to make an impression on other people and reinterpretation. The early stuff was easy. I just remembered things and I figured if I... I didn't put much in that I'd had to research. I figured if I couldn't remember it, it probably wasn't that important to me. And did you discuss it as you went along with your brother and your parents and children? Not much, to be honest. No. no, I didn't. In fact, no, hardly at all. When I was writing about school, funnily enough, I contacted a couple of friends and checked the odd thing. And then I thought, well, this is silly in a way, because I'm not writing history and I'm not writing a history of the school. I'm writing how it seemed to me. And I found that their impressions of things were not things that fitted particularly well into the style of the book. Have you got an example, actually, from the school days that we were very rebellious, certainly in my secondary school days at the school that we were at, and there were there were a whole host of incidents. For example, I mean, one of the things I felt most strongly when I was at school, at secondary school, was about compulsory worship. I felt hugely indignant about this, and I got involved in a campaign. I, I thought it was outrageous that we um, that we had to go to uh, two Sunday services at one at one stage. I just thought the idea of well, it wasn't so much whether it was Christian or what it was it was the fact that it was a it was an element of worship in an area which in which I didn't believe and uh, when I was writing about this I talked to a few other people about what they remembered and, and we all seemed to remember such very different things that in the end I decided that I would simply have to write it from my point of view and that kind of informed most of the other decisions I made I think. Have you left anything out of the book deliberately? Yes. Are you able to tell us what that was? No. Or, or why you did it? <laughs> rather <laughs> obviously. Rather obviously. No, there were, there were things I would have liked to have written about, mm. about relationships, but which I didn't think was fair. Because of the reaction it might yes, provoke. Yes, because of the reaction it might provoke. There were things about relationships. It wasn't so much that other people don't know, but which they might not want to see in print. Mm. <laughs> so it's something you might confine to a diary that would be... Indeed, or where, when it, it feels safer, <laughs> <laughs> when, it's, when it's further away. 
Martin Amis, novelist and son of the author Kingsley Amis, describes how he wrote his autobiography, Experience. What inspired him to write about his own life? It felt like an obligation. Not many people who write their autobiographies young can claim pro bono reasons for doing so. But I thought, well, I, there's only one example in uh, literary history of a father and son, you know, a team that of equivalent, that are roughly equivalent weight, each of them having a corpus of work out there at the same time. And for the last 20 years, I thought, I've got to write something about this. And then he died, and it, I just realised that the time had come. Martin Amis didn't keep a diary for much of the time he was writing about, so he had to rely on his memory. But the memory is, is like a muscle, and uh, you find that um, you know, the mists of time drift away as you get more honed and concentrated on. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.